Hi, I'm Hassel. And I'm JP. And this is Pulled Corks, the podcast. Everybody, welcome to episode six. Can you believe it? Already episode six. Thank you guys for dealing with us for this long. <laughs> it's unbelievable, but we're still here. Six weeks, and it's been so much fun doing this and going strong. Yeah, sharing this with you guys, and uh, we really appreciate you guys listening to us. And uh, today, you're going to do something you don't... You know, I've never heard a podcast about this or anybody else really go into this, but we're going to talk about Pinot Noir, which I have heard a lot of people talk about Pinot Noir, but we're not going to talk about Burgundy. We're not going to talk about uh, California California or Oregon or Washington or or New Zealand. Zealand. Uh, We're going to talk about Germany. Particularly, we're going to talk about the fowls. We are going to talk about Germany and France. And France. We are going to talk about them, but we're focusing on... On the Fouts. On the Fouts. Spätburgunder. Spätburgunder. So what is Spätburgunder? Spätburgunder is Pinot Noir. And literally it means late Burgundy. Late Burgundy. The late ripening grape from Burgundy. So one interesting thing to point out, if you're ever in Germany or shopping for wine somewhere that has a lot of German wines and you see a wine that has the suffix of Burgunder, that means it's a Pinot yeah, it's of some sort. A Burgundy grape, it's a Pinot. Yes. So Spätburgunder, late Burgundy, that's Pinot Noir. You get a Weissburgunder, it's a white Burgundy, that's Pinot Blanc. You get a Graubergunder, that's gray Burgundy, which is a Pinot Gris. So, and so on and yeah. so forth. <laughs> Only Chardonnay and Auxerrois, they are the same. Yeah, correct. But, uh, but today we are talking about Spätburgunder. Yeah. German Pinot Noir, particularly from the Faust. So, where is the Faust? The Faust is right beside Alsace. It's very close to the place where we live. We're actually geographically still a part of the Faust. Although the wine growing is a little bit further. But yeah, 35, 40 minutes away, and you'll be in, in the wine growing region from, well, from where we are right now. It's basically the northern extension of Alsace. Yes. You just follow the Rhine River up north, and there's this imaginary line border between Germany and France. The mountain range is the same. Just going into Germany, the Vosges Mountains change name and become the Hart Mountains which are the easternmost mountain range of the Palatinate Forest, the Pfalz Forest. Which is, I believe, about the biggest forest in Europe? It's or? the biggest continuous forest area in Europe. It's, it's, it's huge. Yeah, we've driven through it quite a few times and yeah. jogged through it. Yeah, we're planning to run across it next year. <laughs> so, uh, so we have this uh, wonderful area right beside Alsace, and they grow a lot of the same grapes as Alsace. Riesling, Gewürztraminer, Gewürztraminer, Pinot Blanc, Pinot Gris, and Pinot Noir. But here's the thing, and this is, of course, everything is opinion, but we believe that uh, the Germans and the Fowls actually do Pinot Noir better than the Alsatians. 
I have to say one one of the reasons is a guy who started making wine like the French. In the early 80s, late 70s, he started out. He was a rebel at the time. Mm. We got one of his wines here tonight, and we have a modern rebel too. So we have two different Spätburgunders from the area right at the French border. Like some of their vineyards are actually on French territory. So it's a, a two-country two country wine. Because the village of schweigen Rechtenbach, where they are located, the two winemakers we're talking about today, mm -hmm. that village was actually the village of the serfs or the workers for the monastery of Wissembourg. Okay. It was called Weissenburg in German, when it was one country. So basically the workers, the agricultural workers, stayed on the German side, while all the elite and uh, the upper class was on the French side after the, uh, after the division. So they, the elite in the town, down in the valley, they weren't interested in working the vineyards after the war. So nobody was working the vineyards. So actually the French were asking the German farmers, are you interested in working our vineyards? They didn't want to become them. Uh, they didn't want to have a wilderness there. Mm -hmm. So they were really interested in having cheap labor to work the vineyards. So they gave the, the land away, rented it out, and they kept the, working the vineyards and still are working them. Very cool, very cool. And that uh, that will bring us to a funny story later on about the names of one of these wines, or the uh, the vineyard name. Yeah, the label actually. The la even the label, yeah. <laughs> so, Pinot Noir, mostly famous from Burgundy. Yeah, that's the original place. It is. A, it's, it's a delicate, uh, delicate grape, thin skinned, so it doesn't impart too much color or or tannin onto the. Uh, wine. Hard to grow. Very hard to grow. Difficult. Very difficult. One of the reasons given right now that Germany is producing such good quality Pinot Noirs is actually climate change. Because now Germany is starting to get some of that Burgundian weather. <laughs> That's true. Like While Burgundy heats up. And they have problems uh, getting that elegant style. Right. Uh, they've had a lot of problems recently, uh, frost and crazy weather, hail storms and heat. You name it. Uh, yeah, it, you name it, exactly what you said. But, uh, so here we are, we got these good ones. Um, so let's, uh, let's get into these winemakers. Let's, okay. let's discuss this a little bit here. So we start with a young and wild uh, natural winemaker. Um, it's called... Mantis Hof. It's basically a one-man show who made the wine in his garage. Mm. Unfortunately, he stopped making the wines, so only all the vintages are still available. I, I, I got really lucky and got a 2012. They're unfiltered, they're really homemade wines, but he put a lot of effort in it. And we will try this now, and you tell me if it can compete with a Burgundy. Okay. So while he's pouring this, I want to I want to point out something here. These are uh, more of your high end uh, Spätburgunders. One of the things I like about some of the lower end Spätburgunders, the really affordable ones that you guys might like, is uh, the way they use the they use the oak 
in a way where you will get the smoky, greasy... Bacon fat. Bacon fat, you know, pork flavors, and it's amazing. Great barbecue wines, but Great. a little over-oaked. For a lot of people, some people well, don't like them. They think that, you know, that that's not what Pinot Noir should taste like, but, you know, it's... For me, it's a guilty pleasure. You know, give me a, a, a Hamel and C Spätburgunder, and I'm a happy man. Give me that and a summer sausage from Hickory Farms, <laughs> and you will see me smile even here. But uh, let's move on to these here. I first wanted to mention, like the real lower end of German Spätburgunders, you should stay away from. Oh yes, They're absolutely. Jammy, over fruity. Uh, no oak at all, um, kind of bland and boring, like turn the fruit up to a 10 and blur out the rest. Hey, and they're easy to spot because they're cheaper than you would ever expect any yeah. Pinot Noir to ever be. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> like don't buy anything under 5 euros. Exactly, yeah. under 5 euros, if you're in Europe. Yeah. In America you're probably not going to see these. No, they, they are not going to. These are not exported, so you don't have to worry about it. Lucky ones. <laughs> this actually, this has a little bit of oak. Yes, the hui. Uh, Catch some oak. And it has a little bit. Definitely new oak. New oak has a little bit of that of that uh, pork that I was talking about. Just a, a hint. Just a hint. Not like the others that I, that I was talking about. But the color but is quite light. Already going towards Garnet. Yeah. 2012, and it's unfiltered. You see, it's not completely clear. A little cloudy, but uh, looks great. Beautiful color. It's like a. Smells, smells wonderful. Not overly oaked. Smells really pleasant. Not too fruity. It tastes great. I think this can compete with the village level burgundy. Village level, it's uh, yeah. got a, a lot more oak on it than most burgundies would. It's quite heavy on the oak. Um, like maybe a coke to bone, maybe it's bone. it's not over oak though. It's not like you're in your face. It's not. It's not. And the, the toasting is also not too heavy. And I want to be clear to everyone: do not mean this in any negative way whatsoever. But I've had enough burgundies and I've had enough spätburgunders to where blind I can tell you this was from the fowls ten out of ten times. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> but it's definitely very distinct for this region. There is a style. Something in the There's a terroir. Yeah. A style to the fowls that I, I can always pick out. And this has it. It has it on the nose. It has it on the palate. It's great. I love it. I love my burgundy too. Don't get me wrong. I freaking love the hell out of burgundy. So again, going back to this winemaker... Such a shame that he's out of business now. Mm. Um, it's called Mantishof. So, Mantis uh, Winery. Okay, praying Mantis. It has a praying Mantis on the logo. Um, the vineyard is the Herren Vineyard in uh, Richtenbach, just at the Alsatian border, on the German side. Unfiltered 2012, 13% alcohol. Mm. Very well integrated, it's not loud. Grown on limestone, mostly limestone, some uh, loam and mm -hmm. clay. Was fermented in open oak vats 
and then uh, 17 month in oak barrels, small oak barrels. Oh, okay. And there wasn't any finding or filtration. The guy uh, was actually a nurse in a mental health uh, institution mm -hmm. who worked his grandfather's vineyards as a hobby, as a side job. So it got a little bit too much for him, so he sold the vineyards or rented them out to other winemakers. And now he's apparently making wine in uh, Switzerland. Okay. Switzerland? Yeah, so you know what that means. It means we gotta try that one. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> so, off to the next one. Because this was really good. I haven't had much Switzerland wine that I liked, so, so we'll try that out. To the next one. So, the next one is made by a legend. Uh, it's Fritz Becker, Weingut Friedrich Becker. Mm -hmm. It's father and son, and the father. Uh, was actually the son of the local uh, chief of the local uh, cooperative. Oh, okay. And then they went on a on a trip to Burgundy with the Young Winemakers Association. And he uh, actually went to DRC when it wasn't that famous yet. Right. And tasted their wines and got a book signed by Aubert de Villain and learned a lot about Burgundy winemaking. And on the way back, they got a couple of bottles from famous Burgundy estates and drank them on the bus. And he never forgot that experience. He wanted to make wine like that. He didn't want to sell his grapes to a cooperative. He wanted to grow his own grapes. He was like a pioneer of the quality revolution in Germany when it comes to Pinot Noir. He actually uh, disappointed his father heavily, stopped his membership in the cooperative and started his own binary. He got lucky because some of the professors from a bigger town close by, they sponsored him, they bought his wines, and one of the art professors actually uh, painted a label for him. Ah, Fox on it. It's a very distinctive label. Right. And most of his vineyards are actually on the Alsatian side. Okay. And they're perfectly clay and limestone, like in Burgundy almost the same as he saw them in Bon Romane. Ah. And he knew from the historical documents that they were the best vineyards from the monastery down in Bessembourg. Oh, okay. So he wanted to get the best... So he really him. went deep. He went deep. And he did his research of where to grow these grapes. He went way down with the yields, mm. invested a lot of money in oak barrels, experimented, and his son followed up in his footsteps. And now some stupid lawmakers told them they cannot use their vineyard names anymore because they're on French borders, on French soil. Okay, so they can't, they have to stick to the old traditional... So basically you see the bottle, they have stickers on it. Right, I see the basically sticker. Basically on top of the vineyard names. Uh -huh. And they say like, now uh, from official side, we're, it's prohibited to use our old traditional vineyard names. They can't use the vineyard name for that. So, yeah. And it's funny because on the back of the, the back label, where the vineyard name used to be, it's just blackened out with a Sharpie. Yeah. <laughs> so, we have... Uh, on every bottle you buy. Yeah. So, if you hold it up to our light, it says... St. Paul. St. Paul. And they have it on the caps. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't make Sneaky them change ones. all the capsules. <laughs> There's no rule. The capsule's not a label. <laughs> we have to mention they're a member of the VDP. 
Ah, yes. So the Elite German Winemakers Association mm-hmm. that also follows a very Burgundian model of terroir with the Premier Cru and Grand Cru. Right. We'll get into the VDP in another episode. So just uh, quickly, uh, the VDP, it's like he said, that's your elite top group of German winemakers. And uh, if you see a bottle of German wine that has an eagle on it, and uh, an eagle with uh, grapes. Yes, yeah, six, you know, six little circles that represent a, a, a bundle of grapes or a bunch of grapes. That's and, uh, usually not always, but a lot of times it'll say VDP. But uh, yeah, that uh, that is the emblem. It's the eagle with the uh, with the grapes. Yeah. Okay. Um, about so it's the Saint Paul vineyard. Mm-hmm. It's a monopole, so they own the whole thing. Okay. Um, nobody else owns anything in the St. Paul. Um, it's one of their prime ribs. It's one of their best plots. So it's actually a GG, a Grand Cru in the VDP classification. Okay. Um, it's all hand harvested, uh, fermented in open oak wets, uh, fermented in uh, false oak barrels, not mm-hmm. French oak. Right, German oak from the area they really care about the terroir even when it comes to oak see I learned that I didn't even know there was a cooperage in the falls the, the, the trees are actually just from our neighborhood in Kaiserslautern there you go yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah they have the false barrels we look at 13.5% alcohol which is typical of a, uh, of a burgundy Pinot Noir it's a 2011 vintage. Mm-hmm. It has a little age on it. Let's have it. Uh, let's give it a try. Beautiful color. It has very light color. Very light. So here in Germany, it's about 60 euros for the bottle. It's mm-hmm. not cheap. No. And in the US, it goes for around 150. So, so it's a heavy hitter. Higher end. But still much cheaper than your Burgundy Grand Cru. It smells wonderful, and I, I can still smell the fouls. Now I can <laughs> smell it more than in the last one. Yeah. <laughs> Might be the, the fouls of oak. Mm, it may be. It could be. Here you get a lot of that bacon grease. Yeah. <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. It's silky on the palate. Great tannins. That is nice warm alcohol. It's really high. Oh, I could drink this all day. Definitely. All day. This beats some of the really high-end burgundies. It's it's, it's different, really but it is it's different. Very well quality. Once again, as I said, tasting this, it smells like it tastes like the fowls. It is, but it is very high. It's very high quality wine. Really nice, like sour cherry about wine, and you get grapes from different regions. This is a, it's a straight regard. It's a Pinot Noir, but it does not have. Burgundy's famous. It, it's always going to be the most famous place for Pinot Noir. But Pinot Noirs from other areas don't have to taste like Burgundy. No, they don't. They can taste like their own region. They can taste like California, Oregon, the Fals. But I would prefer or. the Fals or Burgundy. Or the Or. Hmm. The R. Yeah. I should say. That's another little German growing region. Correct. Specialized in Pinot Noir. They do a really good job, but the theirs is definitely more a bit more Burgundian. Mm. It's not as unique 
of flavor as the Faust. And no one ever talks about this, ever. But the Faust Pinot Noir, Spätburgunder, it is its own thing. It has its own aromas, has its own flavors. Greasy pork. It's not. It a, is just. It's like. It's, it's not a copy of Burgundy. Definitely not. It is not, and it's so delicious. When I say greasy and pork, a lot of people are like, "Ugh!" In a liquid, ugh. No, trust me. It's. I mean this in a completely good way. Like we run a smoker in front of my house all the time, smoking meats and everything, and this is just. Perfect for it. A Pinot Noir from the Fowls. Perfect. Perfect yeah. for a barbecue. Perfect for and to eat with or to the, the sour cherry fruit. It balances out yeah, the absolutely. heaviness of that smokiness. Yeah, it's and it's it's not a heavy wine. I know what I'm saying sounds like I'm describing, you know, like you're drinking oil. <laughs> but that's, that's not how I want to come across. It is light. It's elegant. It's silky. It's smooth. It's uh, low tannin. Yeah. Very low tannin, so it's not like gripping your teeth and your cheeks. It's not drying your mouth out. It's it's a very easy drinkable wine. I love Burgundy more, but this is easier to drink. If that makes any sense. So like a uh, a beginner getting into their uh, red wines. This is a good one. This is a great one to dive into because it's going to be really easy to drink. You'll, you'll just pound a bottle of this. Yeah. This is delicious. Like, this will go down, so, it goes down so easy. You will just pound a bottle of this. We're, we're finishing this tonight. Definitely. This is good. I'm not spitting this out. No. <laughs> yeah. Anything to add? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, uh, it's Pinot Noir, and it's from Germany, and it's awesome, and it, uh, don't just think of Burgundy. Expand. There's high-end Pinot Noir in other places in the world. There is. It doesn't have to be a copy of Burgundy. It can be its own style. I kind of like the fact that Germany calls it something different. Yeah, that's another good thing. Although some producers still put Pinot Noir on the bottle. Changed it when they do a French style. Yes. I'm glad they call it Spätburgunder because it's uh, it, it's Spätburgunder. It's different. Yeah. And uh, so that's that. And uh, if you want have any questions, email us or comment on this or contact us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. You can find us on all three of those at Pulled Corks or on Instagram. Pulled Corks or JP Pulled Corks. You can find us on our website www.pulled-corks.com. That's pulled with a dash corks.com. <laughs> and if you like what we're doing, please don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, give us a rating. Absolutely. And feedback anytime. We love feedback, requests, compliments, bitches, moms, complaints. <laughs> uh, anything is appreciated. We love you guys. We uh, can't wait to get back to you again next week. This is so much fun, and we hope you guys enjoy it at least half as much as we do. And see you next time. Prost. Prost. Prost.
Simple 